Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of Through the Doggy Door presented by M. Bark. We're talking dogs make sense. Scott Montesano with you. Heather from M. Bark across the way and we're going to talk about dogs on this podcast and if you haven't already go back listen to uh, previous episodes and listen to future episodes as well as we talk all things dogs humans best friend the yes. dog and heather uh, good to see you again and how excited are you to again dispense not only your knowledge but your love of canines oh i love it i, I could talk about it all day which i will <laughs> As I was saying before we started uh, this uh, this episode here, there's a big part of me here that just figures I'll ask you one question, take off the headset, I'll come back in 30 <laughs> minutes. But that is, before we get into the topic here, we see it obviously in everyday life. It's portrayed as well in the media, but when it comes to people's passion for dogs, it is 100% uh, true uh, the love people have for dogs is mm-hmm. don't make people choose dogs over their human loved ones because <laughs> they, 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 they love them both equally, right? Absolutely. There's a meme that went around for a while that was quite comical that said, um, if you locked your significant other in your trunk versus your canine in the trunk, who would be happier to see you when you let them out? And I think that proves their love for us. <laughs> Not that I would recommend that ever, <laughs> but that was quite comical. Well, again, and, and having a dog, and we talk about the media and the movies, and there's always the shots of playing with the mm-hmm. dog and, and sitting on the couch with the dog and watching TV with the dog and the dog sneaking up onto the onto the kitchen table and eating some scraps <laughs> when they shouldn't be. All of those things. But there's also a little bit of a dirty side to having a dog. Mm-hmm. There's work involved as well. And today we're talking potty training. Yes. One of those things that undoubtedly scares some people away from having puppies. They, they People sometimes want to skip that step. And when they're adopting, is it already housebroken? But if you want the joy of having a puppy, you got to go through this. Mm-hmm potty training and I'm sure it's something Heather everyone taps you on the shoulder and asks for your tips right yes uh <laughs> it's 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 true I think a lot of people when they're looking at adopting a dog or, or bringing a dog into their household you know dependent upon the age that's certainly a question that they'll ask um you know fortunately it's a fairly easy problem to solve with the right timing and tools um Unfortunately, it is a really significant problem as far as dogs being rehomed. So, um, you know, the shelter staff can tell you there's a lot of dogs that may come into the shelter that, that, you know, well into adolescence are not yet potty trained. And so it's a quite common, it's, it's quite a common problem. Um, and we, sometimes it just boils down to feedback. So, yeah, so I thought today we'd, we'd, kind of take a look at potty training and and break it into three kind of parameters and talk a little bit about each parameter on some things that you can add into potty training. And and this isn't necessarily just a puppy problem. My goodness, I've seen dogs in behavior consults that are older, um, significantly older, sometimes 11, 12 years old, 8 years old, 3 years old, that still are not housebroken. And it's so frustrating for people um, over and over to kind of you know, not solve this problem, which it, it sometimes ultimately leads to rehoming them. So I think starting um, from square one, sometimes even the older dogs, we have to kind of go back to square one and just make sure we're giving them adequate feedback and making sure that 
where our timing is good and, and kind of putting everything into place. Sometimes it's kind of the, the perfect um, storm where you have everything in place where it starts to kind of go right. So I thought today I'd just talk about um, how to put a plan in place if you're struggling, whether it's a puppy or it's an older dog, we would kind of use the exact same thing. You know, the only difference is that older dogs oftentimes have more bladder control. You know, puppies don't gain good bladder control until they're about five or six months of age. So we have that going against us when we're potty training a puppy. But if we know that up front, it's, it's an easy problem to solve. Um, but the, but I thought what we talk about is, is like I said, just how you start with either a puppy or an older dog sometimes. So that's where we we go today. Oh, outstanding! And 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 it's one of those things that everybody sort of gets thrusted into. Uh, how do I, you know, housebreak in my dog? And maybe they've got some rudimentary knowledge of something mm -hmm. that their parents did or grandparents did. Yes. <laughs> but it goes beyond some of the stuff that I'm sure it has has long since been proven. You don't have to do. You know, push their nose yes. into it. That kind of thing. Exactly. But a lot of it is. Uh, for for people when they look at it, positive and negative reinforcement. There's there's mm -hmm. there's avenues to that, but you can definitely take it a lot uh, deeper because people have two choices: either do the do the hard work and get their dog uh, housebroken, <laughs> or opt for instead of the nice uh, nice carpeting. We're going to settle for the hardwood tiles. Yes. But even that, <laughs> my goodness, that gets, you know, if you don't have a dog that understands this, it's, that's even overwhelming, I think, at times. <laughs> all, right, well, all right. Well, why don't you tell us some of the, you know, break it down and, 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 and overall kind of the do's and don'ts uh, of yes. what is going on. So let's talk about it in three kind of parameters. So let's talk about timing, about feedback, and about substrates. So... So let's talk about timing first. So timing on both of our parts, you know, we're learning right along with our puppies. So with if you have a puppy, usually taking them out, gosh, you know, in the beginning, every half hour, every hour when you're home. Um, one thing to remember about puppies is that, again, they don't have good bladder control. So anytime situations change or activity level changes, so they go from sleeping to waking up, they go from finishing a meal to, to or finish after they finished a meal, after they've got, they are finished like a play session with you or another dog. Um, if you look at anytime activity levels spike, um, or change, that is a time that should kind of set an alarm off in your head to say, okay, take them out, especially after they get, if they, if they wake up. And again, they don't have good bladder control, so they'll often stand up and then realize that they have to go. <laughs> and wherever that means they're standing sometimes means that's where the bathroom is going to be. So it's our job kind of as their teacher to really be attentive to activity levels and make sure you're taking them out appropriately. You know, most puppies once an hour is appropriate for them, but depending upon activity levels and what their schedule is like, sometimes it, it could be more often, sometimes it could be less often. So one to two hours. Um, now, T timing wise so you're going to take them to the designated spot you'd like them to go so whether that's a specific spot in the yard um, if you're if you're potty pad training them you're going to take them to that specific space um, and and oftentimes we know that puppies are easily distracted by everything you take them out at three o'clock in the morning and you wait for them to pee and the air moves and they're distracted and they've now gone on to something else <laughs> so I often will recommend that when people take them out they stand very still wait for them to go um, and usually puppies will pee pretty quickly like they usually will go 
if they have to go like 30 seconds after they go outside, they usually hit the ground pretty quickly. The moment they get up from peeing or pooping, whatever you're, they're doing in the moment, the moment they get up, that's when I want you to deliver reinforcement. So, so don't wait until they come into the house because if you're rewarding them, if they have peed outside and now they have come into the house and you're standing in your back entryway, you're rewarding them for being in the back entryway. The reinforcement has to be paired quite quickly with the act itself. So the minute your puppy raises up, gets up from peeing, that's when you're going to deliver um, a reinforcement. And something little, something little. We always say in classes, small, soft, and smelly. <laughs> so the minute they get up, you're going to deliver something small, soft, and smelly to them the moment that they get up. Um, you know, we, we kind of get caught up in, in verbal cues for dogs. And you can certainly add a verbal cue. So that would be go potty or do your thing or get busy. My gosh, people have clever words to call going to the bathroom. Um, whether it's a dog or whether it's a human being. Yes, <laughs> I hear that from children. <laughs> uh, so the moment that they get up, um, pairing that act with the reinforcer. Um, and, and if you're struggling with housebreaking, with dogs rather than just paying them one single piece of reinforcement. And when I say small, I, I say in classes, we usually recommend like half of your pinky nail size, like something small. It doesn't have to be a giant milk bone, um, but something little and something really good. Um, and, 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 and delivering it immediately after the act occurs. If you're struggling with housebreaking, so you have a puppy that you're, you're, struggling with potty training them, then we recommend fine dining them. So rather than just delivering one small little treat, you're going to break that one treat into like five or six pieces. And the moment they get up from peeing, you're going to deliver those five or six pieces really quickly. So you're, you're not just, they're not just getting fast food and they're getting one really fast. They're getting like five little tiny pieces in a row. Um, so that the act of going potty outside is being paired with something really fast and something that they maybe don't get for doing, you know, basic manners or cues in the house, like a sit or a down. Um, so you might have to take, um, we really like something called Happy Howie's. It's a meat roll and we cut them up into really small pieces. So it could be something like that. It might be liver treats, like a dehydrated liver treat that perhaps you have broken into small pieces. Um, and so if you're struggling and you, you need to kind of go back with an older dog or you have a puppy that you're, you're excuse me, struggling with some housebreaking issues, fine dine them. So the minute they get up, you're going to deliver those five pieces. And I know that sometimes it's three o'clock in the morning and you are not really in a state to be exuberant about them pooping outside. <laughs> that totally, I get that. Um, but what we're doing ultimately is we are, we are creating a dog, a learner that understands that reinforcement is available if they go potty outside. And so with that, the more that we can reinforce pottying in the right spot, the more the dog is going to want to tell you, hey, I have to go out because I want to go to that spot because reinforcement is available. Um, so that's something to consider. So I think the timing of your reinforcement is is very important. Um, crucially important, I think, in potty training. You know, and sometimes people aren't always savvy to that, but they somehow kind of get through it with one dog. And then they have a next dog that they think, oh gosh, potty training is going to be, a, you know, really easy. Um, but sometimes, again, it's kind of those, all those pieces have to be in place for that learner. Um, and the next dog might be harder, <laughs> you know, just because maybe the pieces aren't exactly in place. So 
So timing is the first piece that I think is really important of your reinforcement, not only timing of your reinforcement, but timing in terms of taking them out, um, which is our responsibility, um, you know, as their teacher, essentially. So timing is going to be important. Um, the next piece is reinforcement. So we talked a little bit about that. And, and so if you're struggling, think about, you know, using something that's a little bit higher value. So again, like the liver treats or the happy howies or um, little tiny pieces of cheese or something that your learner really likes. It's kind of like they have pottied outside. Now they get that fabulous panna cotta dessert that you get at your favorite restaurant. Like you don't get it very often, but when you do, you're really excited about it. So, and, and, value of reinforcers are really important to the animals. Um, I mean, we know that in the literature, there's an awesome TED Talks by Franz de Waal, a Dutch primatologist that um, is fascinating if you want to kind of look at about, about the value of reinforcement. Uh, so, so dogs know what's good. <laughs> I mean, don't we all in terms of food? Um, you know, I mean, there are people still that say they don't want to use food when they potty train. And I, I can't quite understand that. I, you know, when you're teaching a skill, which, you know, potty training is a pretty crucial skill. It's so important to give feedback and you can give praise to the dog, but you know, food is a primary reinforcer. Food creatures are born knowing they like praise, tugging, you know, um, belly rubs. Those are secondary reinforcers that have to be conditioned in so that the dog learns to like them. Um, and so, so food is just an easy way to reinforce it. Obviously, we would start to fade it out once your learner understands that pottying outside is the name of the game. So reinforcement is going to be really important to your learner and, and choosing one that is of value to them. And let them choose. You know, some people will say, well, they really like these milk bones. But do they really like milk bones or do they really like pieces of boiled chicken? Because <laughs> I will tell you that most dogs that I work with, which is a lot <laughs> every day, um, most of them prefer boiled chicken over a solid milk bone if given the choice. So that's an important piece. And then the third, the third piece that we as humans don't always consider is substrate preference. And so what that means is where does your dog want to go? So if we want to create a dog that potties outside, and you know, some people even within their yard, they might prefer that the dog goes, you know, on a certain section of the yard where there is um, more like, you know, a woods behind the house, or perhaps in pea gravel on the side of the house, or um, in the longer grass to the left between your house and the neighbor's house. So if you, so we have to kind of create substrate preference where the dog wants to go outside. Um, you know, puppies that have, or dogs that have learned to go on the carpet, that becomes a substrate that they might prefer. And, and of course we need to kind of unravel that. And, and again, it all goes back to reinforcement history of can they have a really long reinforcement history or or multiple reinforcement histories of going potty outside in the right spot so on the grass rather than on the carpet or on the pea gravel rather than in the carpet <laughs> and so they need to a uh, uh, substrate that they will prefer and you know we see this in puppies that 
have been potty trained over the winter, you know, these puppies are coming into homes on December in December when there's snow on the ground and they learn to pee in the snow. And then it's really fascinating because as the snow melts, those puppies seek and seek out the tiniest little bit of snow to pee on. <laughs> and so they've learned to pee in the snow. And as the snow melts, there's almost a little bit of panic of, oh my goodness, the bathroom has disappeared. Like, this is very frustrating. <laughs> and it can be the opposite too. Puppies that have been trained all summer, their first snow, sometimes they walk outside and go, holy cow, we we don't have the bathroom anymore. <laughs> so substrate preference is also important to dogs. Um, you know, teaching them to go on surfaces um, or on certain substrates. And then, you know, we also run into the into the issue sometimes of being leashed or unleashed. If you your dog always potties off leash in your yard, you know, especially during COVID, like we're not really traveling to grandma's house. <laughs> and and maybe perhaps your puppy has learned to potty in the grass outside in your backyard, but you take them to your grandma's Minneapolis apartment downtown. And now all of a sudden they have to go on gravel or they're going to have to pee on a tiny little section of grass that's right by a tree in the sidewalk. And on leash i mean all of those variables are are different to a learner sometimes so kind of that's something to consider also in potty training that that sometimes even in your yard take them off leash and reinforce them for pottying off le when they're on leash versus off leash so those are all kind of things to consider and you had mentioned scott also the kind of the the old school mentality of rubbing their nose in it and and you know if you look at this from a learner's perspective so if we address kind of some of those old thinkings from the the dog's point of view what's happening is if you're scolding your dog if you're adding aversive things in you're grabbing them you're rubbing their nose in it when they have peed in the house what's happening in that equation is that they are going to the bathroom in the in your presence and then you become kind of the aversive and what happens is if you're scolding them when they have gone inside you'll take them outside so perhaps and this is not what i recommend you know your puppy went potty in the house and you ah what are you doing you're such a bad dog and you grab them um and then you take them outside and then in your most appeasing voice, you say, okay, now go potty. Well, in those scenarios, you're the common denominator. <laughs> and so then your dog learns, well, I'm not going to potty in front of him. Like, he's terrifying. I'm going to sneak into the bedroom where no one can see me and go. <laughs> so your dog is learning in your presence. They, they, What we need them to learn is in your presence. They can potty in your presence, but in the on the right substrate or in the right spot where they have a reinforcement history and and you see we i see this in tons of dogs you know they'll they'll sneak off into another room to pee because the attacker is not near them um and and in the dog it's very you know they get relief they have pottied in a spot where where nothing bad has happened so that just it ruins a relationship i think if anything and it's not giving your learner good feedback. You know, it's our job, you know, to, to you know, pottying outside for a baby puppy is not in their genetics. <laughs> I mean, they just go wherever they go. And so it's our job as their teacher to teach them, this is the appropriate spot. You're going to get reinforcement here. In my presence, nothing bad's going to happen. Like, you can pee here. So I think those are kind of the big that's kind of the bigger picture 
in terms of potty training of what, if you want success, kind of adding all of those things in? I think the big thing out of all of this and what we'll get probably in every single episode here is, is, is the reminder of something people understand, but they have to be reminded of it. They're not toys. They're living beings. Yeah. So it's, it's not like you, it can be programmed like a toy that uh, people will get over the holidays. It's not a doll, if you will. They're all mm. a little bit different. And there are a, there are a number of similarities between potty training a human and potty training a, a dog. Now, you, if you're giving your your your, your two year old milk bones, <laughs> we may have to we may have to have another <laughs> another conversation there. You know, the 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 two year old can get chocolate, the dog not chocolate. Yes. The dog can get the a little Liver. bit of a milk bone or or the, the happy howies. The the child uh, should not be getting the milk bone. You know the. the but again, it's one of those things that you have to look at it like it's a human being. And while you know they're not going, while the dog's not going to necessarily grow up and become a back-talking teenager and skip right to the 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 appreciative adult and, and wise <laughs> old sta- sage uh, stage of life, there are a, a number of similarities between the two uh, that people can can take there. And I, I I love that point where you brought up there where. We talk about this from a psychological standpoint. Well, if you're yelling at the dog, mm-hmm. it, it goes both ways. You can't turn it on and off. To that end, you got people out there. People are going to get frustrated with their dog. They oh, get frustra- absolutely. Yeah, you get frustrated with your kids. You get frustrated yeah. with your spouse. You get frustrated with your ball team. You get frustrated <laughs> with a number of things. Yes. <laughs> what are some keys for people to manage some of that frustration because I'm, I'm sure there's been a time you you've had to yell at a dog and you've you, you kind of wanted to suck it back in too but where do you go once maybe you have done something you've had a bad day at work or sure. anything and you, you've yelled at the you've yelled at your dog well I think it boils down to any relationship you know if you have a good relationship with them you can have some of those bad days and recover really easily you know, if you your history with that learner is one of trust and really good feedback, you know, you might have a bad day where you are a jerk and everyone's a jerk and, and it's easy it's it's easier to recover once you've built kind of that little bank account of trust and feedback and um kind of understanding one another. You know, I will say that in terms of potty training, sometimes what I see is and you know, we have oh gosh, ten pup uh 10 live classes, one virtual puppy class every week. Um, and so one of the things that I see quite often is is um, people getting frustrated with their puppies in terms of potty training. And one thing that, that I really want to hit home with is that if your puppy is not voiding their bladder, so if you see them doing little bits of, you know, they're urinating small bits very frequently, that could be indicative of a urinary tract infection. So if you're frustrated and they're frequency of urination has changed that is absolutely kind of a red flag to run a urine sample into your veterinarian so we always want to clearance kind of the medical end of things before we determine that's behavioral and this is with this is what every behavior problem I ever see like we always go through kind of a medical history to make sure that that behavior isn't stemming from something that needs veterinary care first Um, and so that that sometimes is frustrating that people have this 
all of a sudden like an acute change in potty training. And if you see that, that should kind of set up a flag in your head of, okay, could this be indicative of a urinary tract infection, which training will not solve, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're going to need to go to your doctor for that. Um, But if that is not the case, um, then I think you just have to take a step back. You know, anytime we teach a creature, whether it is, as you said, a toddler or a dog, um, they're all, you're always having to take step back, steps back. And this is with puppies and potty training. This is with adult dogs and potty training. This is with, oh my gosh, every learner ever, (laughs) you know, it's okay to take, you know, a step back before you move forward. So if you're frustrated with your dog or your puppy, um, think to yourself, okay, so let's go back to the previous step where we had success um, and kind of back up, maybe reevaluate your timing, maybe reevaluate the reinforcer you're, you're, you're um, using, maybe look at your environment. So if your puppy tends to prefer to potty on the rug that is, you know, closest to the door outside, can you kind of create an environment where that's not accessible to that dog so they can't go over there to go on their own? Um, And I'm a fan of keeping data. So it may seem crazy, um, but for a lot of things, I'm a fan of keeping data of maybe you keep not hardcore data, but maybe you have a little, you know, piece of paper on your kitchen table and you, you look at when did your dog eat? When did they drink? Um, and keep some data on when they have to go after that. That is that is a, a big piece of the picture that sometimes is really helpful. Doggy digestive analytics, if yes. you will. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because <laughs> um, we get frustrated, but if you look back at some of your the data that you've kept, you can say to yourself, okay, you know what? I noticed that at 10 o'clock in the afternoon, like my dog has to poop or, you know, it's 45 minutes after they've eaten or it is you know, 17 minutes after a play session, they tend to have to poop. And so that is all just really helpful for us to create a plan for them um, amongst all the other things like the value of your reinforcer and things like that. Um, And, you know, once they get it, they get it. A lot of people will use a bell or a sound or something. We can maybe talk about that at some, at some point also, but um, you know, the goal is to get them to understand that it is reinforcing to go outside. And then a lot of dogs will find a way to tell you, you know, they will scratch at the door, they will bark at the door. You can teach them to ring a bell. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways to encourage them to tell you, but, but the hardest part is just getting them to go <laughs> outside from the get go, I'm not really. gonna. I'm not going I'm not gonna lie, and I know what you meant by it. But now I just got this image of you mentioned a uh, <laughs> dog with a bell, and I just have this image now of a dog walking over to a table and getting up, and you know, its front paws grabbing the bell and like standing <laughs> up on its haunches, ringing the bell. I just have this image now stuck, uh, <laughs> stuck, stuck in my head. Even though I've got like the the mature part of me has it compartmentalized of knowing what you meant, the cartoon, you know. Imaginative side has got something <laughs> completely, completely else. Uh, before, before I let you go here, because uh, again we talk about uh, assumptions and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Is there any difference between breeds, or is it pretty much mm-hmm. uniform across across the way? Because no doubt somebody says, well, you know, the reason I'm struggling here is because you know d- this dog is X Y Z, and you know X Y Z is always mm-hmm. a problem, or X Y Z is oh they're oh they're always really really easy. Yeah. So that's a good question because we, there are a lot of breed differences in many things, but remember learning is learning. And so, um, 
making sure you're giving them the right feedback is going to be crucially important. I will say that smaller dogs are sometimes more difficult in terms of potty training. And, and I don't think it is learning. I think they're just as capable as a bigger dog. However, they're when they pee, there is not a lot of volume there. <laughs> and so I think sometimes, you know, they're smaller to the ground. Um, their, their urine capacity is a lot smaller. I mean, my goodness, if you walk into the house in winter and you notice like, you know, liquid on your floor, it could be a couple of drops from your snow boots or was it from your Yorkie peeing? <laughs> so sometimes I think that's hard to identify. <laughs> um, but I think the learning process is absolutely the same. Like every learner is capable of, of learning this. It's just a matter of the feedback that we give them. Um, and by and the way, every, everybody at one point has had to question that themselves, get down on their hands and knees, yeah. <laughs> and everybody looking around, make sure nobody else is watching, has had to sniff their yeah. carpet or their hardwood floor. Like, what is that? I mean, poop is easy. Like, that's usually pretty easy. You, you see it, or you see it the next thing you know, you're called your spouse over, or the yeah. kids. All right, can, what, what do you think? Is that water? Is that yeah. I mean, if you own an adolescent Great Dane, it's very obvious um, when they have expelled liquid on the floor from their bladder. However, you know, if you have a four-pound Yorkie, um, it's not always super evident. And so um, so I think from a learner standpoint, absolutely, they're, they're both, you know, I mean, any learner can pick this up. But sometimes I think we as observers with smaller dogs tend to miss things just because they're smaller and they're smaller to the ground. And sometimes it's difficult to tell, are they squatting or are they sitting? Um, you know, because sometimes that looks may look a little different. Um, but, but any the, breed is capable. But I think at the end of the day, as we, as we wrap this up, is is it sounds very, you know, again, TED Talkish. Sounds very, uh, you know, uh, high and mighty, if you will. Just enjoy the journey. Yeah. It sounds weird. Oh yeah. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy, and anybody that's you know, again, raise kids and all that. You 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 you're frustrated when they're one, two, three, mm. and. Then there's a part of you when they they when they don't need you anymore, and you're hearing the toilet yes. flush, and yet when you go, ah, I kind of miss the days where I cha I want to change a bunch of diapers, but ah, yeah. you know, <laughs> one day yes. you'll 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 you, they're only with you for so long, Ugh. so always take a moment to enjoy the the journey because you'll remember you'll laugh about the frustration yes in in due in due time, but. As we said in the first episode, we said this week, we'll say in all the others, uh, it is work, but it's rewarding work. Mm. That's it. Again, it's not a set it and forget it. You, yep. you, you don't bring the you don't bring the dog. It's not it's not fish. You know, I got fish at my house. Yeah. I just <laughs> feed them once in the morning, and there they there they are. It's not it's not a fish. You know, you're going to have to do stuff, and that includes play. And I'm sure we'll have episodes oh, yeah. talking about play and, mm -hmm. and productive play and other things uh, with uh, with dogs as well. But before you before you you do all the fun stuff. You do have to remember there's the there's the, the smelly part of yeah. it, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, anytime you work with animals, there is always, like, the smelly part. So that's kind of a given. <laughs> but, you know, it's a relationship. I mean, like you said, there it's always a little – it's work. But, I mean, I find it very rewarding. Um, and it's so worth it. I mean, it's like building a relationship with any other creature in your life. It's it's so worth it. Well, again, not to end on a, on a – not a down note here, but it's, as we said in the first one, if you're sitting there right now going, I don't really know if I really want to go through all that, then you're not probably ready right now. Yes. For the, and that's fine. And that is absolutely <laughs> fine. Oh, goodness. Yes. The absolutely. time The time will come. The mm -hmm. time, the time will come. Especially heading into winter in Wisconsin. A lot of people have said, you know, I'm just 
don't want to potty train a dog at February with 20 below wind chills. And that is admirable. Like, I get it. <laughs> I know I don't want to stand outside and tw- yeah. <laughs> for that. Heather, thank you very much. We'll have another episode coming out in a couple of weeks. And remember to check out all of the editions right here of uh, Through the Doggy Door, presented by Embark.